Are you ready to be unlocked? Are you ready to soar? This is an invitation to lift up your eyes to see from heaven's perspective where all things are possible. I am offering the Become a Beacon of Hope course. This five-week course will help you step into your true identity, a kingdom educator on mission with the King of Kings. As you gain perspective from heaven, you'll hear God's voice in new ways for yourself, students, and colleagues. And you can expect to receive creative strategies from heaven for teaching and managing your classroom. It's time to soar. It's time to rise up beginning January 30th. This $67 course bundle includes five weekly live teaching sessions, plus three special guest speakers gifted in helping to connect you with God's heart to find freedom for stepping into true identity and purpose. You'll also receive a digital devotional called Grab Your Hope Goggles, access to private Facebook community, group breakthrough session, hope-filled educator music playlist, and a digital download of speaking words of life in your classroom. For the first 10 who sign up, you'll receive a free hard copy of Grab Your Hope Goggles. Please consider joining me for this powerful breakthrough course by visiting speakingwordsoflife.com forward slash course. That's speakingwordsoflife.com forward slash course. I can't wait to see you on the inside for this powerful session. to the Speaking Words of Life for Educators podcast, where we shine a bright light on your incredible call of carrying the kingdom of God into your classroom, school, and community. It's here that you'll be transformed by the truth of your identity and activated to live the full life Jesus paid for. I'm your host, Jessica Glover, and I warmly welcome you to get ready to be encouraged, strengthened, and activated today in your position in the world of education. I am so glad you're here. Wow, that was quite an introduction. (laughs) Thank you, you guys can sit down. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Wow, I don't even know how to follow that. (laughs) Jesus, help me to focus. Like Jake said, we're starting the Why Not Me series or Why Not You. And I uh, remember a little bit about this from Pastor Kit, if you were around the church at that time. It was just um, good reminders for inviting us into the life that Jesus has already paid for. Like, why not us stepping into the identity that he's already called us into? Why not getting it from here, from our head to our heart to our actions? And so that's really where I'm heading um, tonight. And you'll notice in your homework that I organized it like that. So it's head to heart to action. And I just feel like the Lord wants to do this movement. And so I'm just going to go ahead and start with identity tonight. I just really believe that the basis of how we view the world, how we view ourselves, how we view our future and our family and the possibilities in life all really come from identity. And I'm going to be nailing some scriptures tonight. So if you are taking notes, I'll try to go slow enough so you can grab them. Um, yeah, just because I really want to stay on the word. That's, that's where we're coming from is we're marrying the spirit and the word. Um, 
So this is really all about how do we see ourselves and how do we see ourselves connected to the Father. So as a ministry school, we believe it's our mission to equip you to not only believe who Jesus says that you already are, but to help you to step into the actions that Jesus would have you take in order to fulfill his purpose for you on the earth. And, and all of us, it's our opportunity to demonstrate the kingdom of God, to represent, represent, represent Jesus wherever we are in our sphere of influence. And so we get to show off the goodness of God in the different spheres that we walk in every day with our unique skills, talents, and abilities. But also we have what? The gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Empowering us to be able to go and do the works of Jesus. That's the thing that is our powerhouse that comes behind us because we know that we're not alone. We're filled with the fire of God. And our true identity becomes paramount because we've been saved, we're being healed, and we're being delivered. We're on this journey with him, that he's constant, constant, like those of us who just did the Sozo training, there's constant things that are coming up, right? But we have been saved, and we're being saved. He's doing this work in us continually as we yield to him. And so our job as followers of Jesus is that we're just like, okay, Jesus, just come and do the work that you want to do. It's that laid down love, that peace that I want to be available and open for him to touch those places that sometimes are sore or that we don't really want to let go of, knowing that he is a good father. And sometimes it starts here, but it moves to here. I love, Graham Cook has this cool adoption story. I was actually listening to it a couple times the other day. And I love that when we're invited into the family of God, it's not that, and I think about the prodigal son, and it's like he was welcomed home, but it wasn't just that he was welcomed home. It was welcomed in as a son. We're welcomed in as a son or a daughter into the house. We never take the place of the servant. And yes, it says in the word, like in different places that we're a servant of the Lord, but we are first a son or a daughter. And it's that filling and that placement that I'm at the seated at the right hand of the Father in Jesus, seen through Jesus, seated in that place. So it's a couple scriptures that we hold on to. And I'm hoping that you guys get a copy of these really soon. I'm going to ask Emma for them. Um, we used these with first year last year. And they're, the first one is, I am loved. And these are things that you can declare over yourself every day. I am loved, 1 John 3, 16. This is how we have discovered love's reality, that Jesus sacrificed his love for us. Because of his great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. I am accepted is number two. Ephesians 1, 5, and 6. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus. He has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. I love that. We are his great pleasure. Him coming after us is his great pleasure. Number three is, I am a child of God. John 1, 12. But those who embraced him and took hold of his name were given authority to be one, to be the children of God. Number four, I am redeemed and forgiven. Colossians 1, 14. For in the Son, all our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through this very blood. Number five, I am free from condemnation. Romans 8, 1. 
So now the case is closed, and there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus. Woo, right? The anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited to the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness. He has been in our place. I love that. That clothes with, he was clothed with humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God would once and for all condemn the guilt and the power of sin. Yeah, I read way more than Romans 8.1. <laughs> that was one through uh, three for those who are taking notes. And then the sixth one is, I am a new creation because I am in Christ. I am a new creation because I am in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is free and new. Free and new. We've been made free and new. And I just want to thank you, Lord, that you have made us free and new. And I thank you for this new season that we're invited into right now, the new place to jump off into your goodness and glory. And I thank you, Lord, that when we take risks, that you are there when we jump off the cliff, that we can't see you, but we know that you are there and that you are faithfully guiding us and leading us. So as a ministry school, we're equipping you to do the ministry of Jesus. And this was his commission. And because we're now found in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places, and he said that we will do even greater things than Jesus. I want us to actually declare together Isaiah 61, 1 through 7, and just to do things a little bit different, if you have your word on your phone or your Bible, let's stand up together, and I want to go ahead and declare this together. I'm going to read out of NIV, so if you have that version, great. If you don't, just hang with me. It's Isaiah 61, 1 through 7. And we're just reminding our spirit mans tonight of what our commissioning is, the same commissioning as Jesus. Is everybody ready? 61, 1 through 7. Are we ready now? Okay, here we go. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God, and you will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. 
Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. Does this sound good to anybody? <laughs> yeah, we are. I am so grateful. Like when I read this, I'm like, you got to stop and like give thanks every verse because the Lord just wants to use you just like he used Jesus. When Jesus stood up in the temple and he declared who he was, just imagine yourself in that place. And, and I would encourage you to regularly read <clears throat> Isaiah 61 over yourself to remind you that that is our commissioning. Why not you? Why not me? Why not me today, Lord? So as we're moving from our head to our heart, I just, I was praying about how to start this piece. And I just heard the Lord saying that he's just doing this like mighty work of transformation in us about moving into believing is really moving into a place of intimacy with him. And there's like this invitation, I feel like tonight, if you haven't started to step into that place, maybe you're in one of the women's groups and you're doing Song of Songs right now. I know for me, that was probably the biggest introduction to intimacy with the Lord was getting to the Song of Songs years ago. But I even actually have a bootlegged copy that I got in Thailand. I didn't even know that Brian Simmons existed. It was actually a funny story. But I would just encourage you to ask the Lord to come and show you how he is after your heart. Because when we get into that place of we recognize, recognizing how much he's after our heart, the moving into the action piece becomes so much more simpler because it's like you and me and me and you, and we're walking together. And it's really just about an overflow of how much you love me, Lord, and it just spills out. And um, that's a piece that I just really want to hone in on tonight. And my, my prayer is that we walk away tonight just really getting a piece of like, God's after me. <laughs> and he's after me so much that I want to worship him by responding in action when he leads me. And it's almost like I'm dancing with you, Lord, because when I go about my life, it's that partnership nudges. And it, it takes away some of the fear because I know that he's the one leading me and guiding me. It's not about this forced thing. Um, Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For the gospel of righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just, how, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I love that it's the perfect gift of righteousness that moves us into a place of receiving a life of faith to the power of living by faith. So it's like that righteousness moves us into receiving life, but then it moves us into a place of receiving the power of living by faith. That Father God, it's that whole idea that you're so for me and you say, Father God, go my son, go my daughter, I've got your back, hear my voice and it's time to rise up. I got this picture years ago. I was um, listening to Heidi Baker speak in my city, and she was actually um, doing a lot of prophetic acts. And one of the things that she said that really has resonated with me for years, it's probably like 15 years ago now, but it was rest, run, and release. And this week, I feel like the Lord brought it back again to me to share with you, and it's we're resting with the Lord, resting in the truth of who he calls us to be, right? It's in our head. 
and then it's moving to our heart and we're running with him. But as we run and we're filled with more of him, more of his presence, more of his intimacy, I'm on an adventure with you, Jesus. It just starts to eke out of us. And like Todd White says, it just, it just leaks out of you. It's like oil that just leaks out. And that's, we want that. We want to be so filled with him that wherever we go, it's just like, it's just an overflow. Like, Lord, you're just flowing out of me. And we might not even notice. We're like, oh, this didn't even matter today. But then someone some, later on comes up to you and says, do you know how much you doing that little act of kindness actually blessed someone so much that it drew them closer to the Father, right? Because we're ministers of reconciliation unto the Father. So everything we say and do as it ekes out of us is drawing people unto the goodness of God. What, and what does that do? It opens up the cracks and crannies in people's hearts, is so that they can be open to the power of the gospel, which is the goodness of God. Um, you might not know, but we have a lot of kids, and our kids are, our older kids are not walking with Jesus. And one of the things I do when I like to pray over their schools when I go drop off our youngest daughter is I just pray, Lord, take advantage of every crack and crevice that you would seep in, that you would come in like oil, and that you would move into those places, that you would take advantage of them so that they respond to you. And I want that to be like, something that you can grab onto if you want to and pray for the people in your workplace or where, walking down the street. But there's cracks in people's heart and we're called to be the, the oil that comes in, the salt <laughs> that draws them to him because he is good and he wants to show himself to them. So our responsibility to that and that, that resting with him, that running with him and releasing is it's to say, Jesus, I want more of you. I want more of that. I want to see signs and wonders, miracles happen in my life. I want to see the dead raised. I want to see the lame walk. I want to see it, but I want to walk it with you. I want to walk it in intimacy. So we're pursuing him first because he pursued us first. And I'm going to read out of Hebrews uh, 12, 18. Let me get that up. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and the storm, to a trumpet blast or such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged no further word be spoken to them because they could not hear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it could not be stoned. The sign, wait, hold on. I think I might be in the wrong spot. Hold on. I am in the wrong spot. <laughs> hold on. Okay. But you have come to Mount Zion, verse 22, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they do not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, and now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words which, the word, the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And the reason why I'm reading that, pres that, that passage is really just, 
It's a picture of that we're welcomed into God's presence, that we're invited. We're, there's no like pushing off or fear. It's that we're, we're in this time of invitation, that Jesus has come and he's made a way for us to cross the curtain. We've come into the place where we're invited and we're desired, that the power of the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than Abel, able to heal, able to save, able to deliver. So remember, Abel's blood cried out from the ground because his life was taken too short by Cain, right? There was jealousy involved. But Jesus has a better word than Abel. He is able to heal, able to save, able to deliver. And so our expectation can come that we, in us, the blood, the blood of Jesus runs in our veins. I, I love this picture, and I think I had heard it from Randy Clark forever ago, but it's like when we receive salvation, we've had a blood transfusion with Jesus. My blood is no longer mine anymore. Instead, it flows with the living, breathing blood of Jesus. So when I lay my hands on the sick, I can believe that people can have recovery. Recovery of sight for the blind, recovery from tormenting spirits, recovery from things that have hurt people's bodies for years, that we have inner revival, that transformation that draws us to a place of intimacy. I love how Andy says sometimes, when we folk, what we focus on grows. If our affections on Christ and his love toward us, if we're focusing on Christ and his affections toward us, his love toward us grows. But if we focus on performance, the results seem to grow toward performance. We try to work toward performance. In um, college, <clears throat> I uh, was involved with a group that was, um, I'd grown up in a church that was very much worship and spirit, not a lot of words. So I sought out the word and I got involved with a group that was um, I didn't know it at the time, but it was very religious and performance oriented. And we um, were encouraged to save as many people possible. Has anyone ever been a part of a community of people like that? <laughs> so we had this thing called contact evangelism. And what that meant was that we studied Jesus on Mondays for Bible class after um, I was going to a secular school, but this was a part of a ministry. And we would study the word. And then throughout the week, we were going out with small groups of um, people from the campus ministry. And we were supposed to come up with a question. So it was a lot like, who do you think Jesus is? Or who is God to you? And you would walk up to people and you're all freaked out and shaking and probably sweating. And you're asking people these questions. And sometimes they wanted to talk with you or sometimes they want to blow you off. Off, or sometimes they wanted to give you a joke answer, but it was always very interesting. But sometimes something cool would happen. And the reason why I share that is I feel like during that season, I developed this sense of performance when it came to sharing my faith. And I don't know, the only experience I'd had before that was to do car washes and show God's love in my neighborhood or to put on a production with the children's ministry at a state down south or those kind of things, but I'd never had direct evangelistic opportunities before that. And so my view of evangelism became this whole like, oh no, it's like getting my five checks for the day and I've got to see these many people saved. And when I go to group, I want to say I at least led one person to Jesus. <laughs> and I felt this like guilt and shame like come up when nothing happened. And I just feel like tonight that there's this opportunity where I think the Lord just wants to like shake it off <laughs> because there's this thing called power evangelism, which is actually partnered with the Holy Spirit. And I say that kiddingly because I'm disappointed that I had to go through that season. But what it really showed me is that zeal is one thing. Zeal to get things done if it's in performance 
is not right. Zeal to see the things of God empowered by the Holy Spirit is a whole nother thing. And that's the place I think we want to live is like in this place of like, Jesus, if you're leading me and guiding me, I am all about it. But if it's all about this, this stinks. I don't want this. I want nothing to do with this. Because if I'm going to live in performance land, it has nothing to do with you. Yay, if it brought some fruit, but is it lasting fruit? And that's the thing is we want to see lasting fruit in the things that God does in and through us. And I really think it's when we're connected in the deep place of like, your affections for me are so strong, Lord, that I know that you have my back. And when I go and, and you give me a word, it doesn't have to be the silly question. It could be anything. Like today I shared a story with my small group about I felt called to talk to this man in a wheelchair a couple weeks ago on Douglas and I didn't have anything to say to him, so I asked him if he wanted my coupon from a burger place. And he's like, tell me about the coupon. And then when I started talking to him, I got a word. But it's okay if it's just silly stuff like that. It's okay because the Lord takes the little things and he multiplies them and he sees the little act of faith. And he loves that and he re he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, right? And so he loves those little pieces of focus on him. Yeah. So after I went to college, um, I had an opportunity to uh, become a part of a church where I received a lot of inner healing. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me from my performance <laughs> and teaching me what power evangelism was. But I got introduced to um, a healing school, and it was during that time that I was encouraged to read great testimonies. Has anybody read some books by maybe... Um, You've read books by Catherine uh, Coleman's story or Mahesh Chavda or other great people of faith. Um, those stories started to make me hungry for more. And I encourage you to read, read stories of great men and women of faith, but want, burning to see miracles, signs, and wonders, because um, that's what we were born for, because we have that living, breathing blood of Jesus inside of us. Um, John 14, 12 says, Very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me and does the works I have been doing and will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Because what did Jesus do? He turned the water into wine. He healed the cripple, the lame, the blind, the tormented. tormented. He raised the dead. He multiplied food. And so our question is, do we desire to see these things here right now in our jobs, in our families, on the street? Do we desire to see the greater things? His, his, if his living, breathing blood lives in our veins, <clears throat> do our hearts desire more? Yeah. Yeah, and we just thank you, Lord, that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear because they've become available to us, that you want to give us insight and wisdom and we thank you that in James 1, 5, that it says that we can ask and it will be given to us. When we don't know, he will, he will show us. So our, our cry is really to stir it up, Lord. We want to stir it up to see encounters and have a revival in our own hearts where we become hungry for the word, where it's coming alive to us. And the Holy Spirit brings remembrance of what we need in a moment's time. And he uses the body, all of us, to remind each other to pray over each other, that we're always growing and we have a growth mindset, that we're not finished until we're done. We're not finished until we're with him, that he's not done with me, that I'm on a transformative journey becoming more like the Lord.
I think I'm going to go ahead and um, stop right here. And I'm going to actually invite Jace to come up and get the keys ready. We're going to stop and do something a little bit different. And then I'm going to finish. Um, We're going to finish after we do this one song, but <clears throat> I just, I feel like the Lord would have us um, continue something that Nate brought up last week, and it's it's actually repenting unto believing, and I just feel like there's this thing that we sometimes hold on to, and it, for you, it might be uh, evangelism is performance. I have to do these certain things, or it looks a certain way, or I have to be a certain way. And so I'm just going to have us, we're going to take communion tonight to finish this last part. And, and what I want you to do is just take some time with the Lord. I'm going to pray a tiny bit, but really just thanking him that he chose you to be his conduit. But it first all comes out of a love embrace that, that he chose you. Why not you? Why not you, my beloved? He's like, he's, he desires you. He desires to know you. He already knows your heart, but he desires you to respond to him. But he's after you all the days of your life. And he waits for you to wake up in the morning. And he's just saying, come, come and see higher. Just let go of all of your the past that has to do with what you should do, what you ought to do, what you could do. <laughs> and come join me on this journey of just being mine because it's out of being mine that you overflow with the oil of my goodness. And it's my goodness, my kindness that draws people to the place of repentance and rest which is their salvation and it's not trying that gets them there or you there so while Jace is um, starting to play this song I'm just going to pray briefly but I just want to encourage you to just go ahead and take the elements on your own with the Lord and just give him anything from your past that might be holding you back from just being a conduit so Jesus, we just want to come before you tonight and we we repent. Uh, we repent unto believing. Believing that you are good. Believing that you are for us. Believing that you are to us everything we have need of. Believing that you are after us all the days of our life. Believing that you're faithful and true to follow through when you give us a word in due season that breathes life over bones, that you're not going to leave us hanging. And when we take steps of faith and we can't see the end, we believe that you are the faithful and true God who's going to show us the promised land, whatever that looks like in our circumstance, that you are the promise keeper. Why not us? Why not us here right now, right now, right in this time, in this space of history, that you chose us to be here right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for choosing us.
Thank you for the honor of you choosing us. Jesus, we just thank you for your blood that was spilt for us. We thank you for your better word. And we thank you that you invite us to rest with you, to run with you, and to release with you. And we thank you that you're moving from our head to our heart and that it's coming out with action and that we're stepping to this place of believing, that we're, that we're ready to begin to move into crossing the chicken line. And we thank you for your invitation to us. Jason's going to keep playing, and I'm going to finish this last little piece about his invitation to cross the chicken line with us, and then we're just going to move into worship. I just feel like the Lord is asking us, who is he calling you to minister to? Because that's the ones that are on his heart too. Who's he showing you that has a need? Because all the while we're receiving the affections of our good father, he's proud of us. He's proud of our faith risks, of trusting him to use us as, he, as conduits of his glory. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Colossians 1.24 through 29, the Christ in you, the hope of glory, glory showing up through you, his conduits. So in those moments when you're called, are you called to pray for a miracle? Are you called to provide for a practical need? Are you there to deliver an encouraging word, a message from Papa God, a prophetic word, encouragement, edification, and comfort? Are you called to intercede for a region, a people, a neighborhood, a company, an organization. Just like Jace was saying in our group, our revive group tonight, it's that whole piece of tuning in, tuning into the voice of our good father. Who's he calling you to today? And it's that journey of I'm on an adventure with you, Jesus. When I wake up in the morning, what's on your heart today and where are we going? And I just believe that he's like inviting us into it's fun. It's fun to adventure with me. And I want to remind you that some of us are in a place of needing to hear this again, that meeting a practical need is no less spiritual than conducting a radical healing or deliverance for somebody. So whether you're at home doing dishes and feeding your kids and scrubbing toilets, it's the same thing as reaching out to a stranger and giving them a cup of cool water, like Jesus said, or is the same as praying for someone and seeing a leg grow. And I think that some of us need to hear that again, that it's the simple, small acts of showing God's love and his kindness every single day that add up to showing someone or opening up a heart to receive his salvation, but also to receive his healing. So we're going to move into um, a, a season for the next month or so of celebrating risk. 
And we're being invited to celebrate risk, not necessarily success. So we're going to be inviting as leaders. Casey's going to be speaking next week, and then we have a few more weeks of not, why not you? But we're going to be inviting people to come up front, whether it be in Revive Small Group, but up here, like during downstairs um, teaching, for you to share risks that you've taken. And they don't have to be successes. It's like, I heard the voice of God. He said to go and do this. I followed friend, Holy Spirit, and this is what happened. And whether it was a success or not, we're going to stand up. We're going to honor you for the risk that you took because we want to be a culture of honor, but we also want to encourage the fact that when we step out, it's worth celebrating. And that's what God sees is it's your heart responding to his love embrace of you that you took a risk to try something new and maybe it bombed, but you did it. (laughs) and I want us to get in the habit of saying, Lord, what's on your heart today? I'm going to follow you, and even if it messes up, you have my back, and it's going to be okay. Whether it be at home with my kids or somebody on the street or somebody in my business, I'm going to take a risk. Hebrews 10, 23 through 24 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good ne- good deeds. That's what we are as a company of people. We're people who are spurring each other on in this new season of taking risks, of stepping out, of being a ministry school that wants to do the thing, the thing of Jesus. In Psalms 56, 3 through 4, it says, When I am afraid, I will trust you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Remember who's with you, who's got your back. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 31. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39 says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And I bet many of you have heard that song recently by the Torwaltz, the Sound Mind song. But I just love this scripture from 1 Timothy 1.7. For God didn't give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind that we're on a journey of moving further up and into our lover, our Father God, Jesus and friend, Holy Spirit, who empowers us to do every good thing he lays on our hearts. His will to use you as his conduit and do the very works of Jesus. And it, and you are a minister of reconciliation, drawing all men to the Father through what you say and do. And partnership is our key. Believing through intimacy with the Father is our key. Action comes out of our identity, where we believe, and it moves out. It's that head to heart to action. Head to heart to action. And to close us tonight, I just, I just want to encourage you to take some time this week to dream with God. What are the things that he's laying on your heart? I know we're talking about head to heart to action the things that he lays on your heart, those actions that you take, he's wanting to transform and reform not only you, but whole families. He wants to change generations through you. And it's just in those little acts of obedience and following him that you're going to see that. So just begin to let him open up your eyes. 
How can my family be completely transformed? How can my city be completely transformed? How could my business, my company, my department, how could it be completely transformed? Just as I take these simple acts of obedience to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to read a declaration over us, and then we're going to move into worship. And this is from a book called Decisions That Define Us by David Crone. He's out of a church in Vacaville called The Mission. He says, We've decided that teaching the gospel without demonstrating the gospel is not enough. Good preaching, good doctrine, and being good people is not enough. Having a good church club, being a member, and just having fellowship is not enough. Gifting without character is futile. Singing songs without worshiping is empty. Having meetings without God showing up is pointless. We've decided that reading about the book of Acts without living the book of Acts is unthinkable. We've decided that hearing about the Holy Spirit without experiencing him is silly. That believing in his presence without seeing it manifest in signs and wonders is hypocrisy. That believing in healing without people being healed is absurd. And that believing in deliverance without people being delivered is absolutely ridiculous. We've decided that to be Holy Spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-led, Holy Spirit-empowered, and anything less doesn't work for us. To be the ones telling, we want to be the ones telling the stories of God's power, not the ones hearing about them. We've decided that living saved but not supernatural is living below our privilege and is living short of what Christ died for. We've decided that we're a battleship and not a cruise ship. We're an army and not an audience. We're special forces, not spectators. We're missionaries, not club members. We've decided to value both pioneers and settlers, pioneers to expand our territory and settlers to settle those territories. But we're not squatters, people who take up space without improving it. We've decided to be infectious instead of innocuous, contagious instead of quarantined, deadly instead of benign, radical lovers and outrageous givers. We've decided we're a mission station and not a museum. We've decided it's better to fail when reaching for the impossible that God has planned for us than to succeed settling for less. We've decided that nothing short of his kingdom coming and his will being done in our world as it is in heaven will satisfy. And we've decided that we will not be satisfied until those of our world have cried, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. So this week, I want to encourage you, just ask the Lord, what's on your heart today? And I know he's going to meet you in a special way. Thanks for tuning into this podcast. Please be sure to rate, subscribe, and share with your friends in education so they too can be strengthened and encouraged in living their kingdom identity out loud in this pivotal hour. And please subscribe to be the first to hear about my newest resources, in-person and online events, and receive my inspiring bi-monthly newsletter by subscribing to speakingwordsoflife.com forward slash podcast. And be sure to find me on the socials at Speaking Words of Life number four educators. That's Speaking Words of Life for educators. Until next time, don't forget that you're a carrier of God's goodness 
and what you're doing every day in your classroom is changing lives.